you know, as Naomi was sharing, I was just keenly aware. You remember the story where Jesus is in Capernaum? And uh, the crowd is so big in the house. It says Jesus was in the house. And, and, and they couldn't get the paralytic to Jesus. There's a story where, 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 where Jesus is in the house and he's preaching, he's teaching, and, and everybody gathers. And there's so many in the house that, um, that no one else can really get in. And there's a young man that four guys go and get. It's interesting. It comes after the call of the four apostles at the beginning. He calls, he calls uh, uh, John and James and Peter and Andrew. Those four, it's in the text before. And now you have four guys that went and got somebody. It's interesting. I wonder if there's a correlation. It doesn't tell us who it was that brought the man to Jesus. They couldn't get in the front door, so they go up to the roof. And they start tearing up the roof. And they lower the man in in front of Jesus. Jesus turns to the man and says, son, your sins are forgiven you. So he forgives him. He restores the vertical relationship between, between God and him. Jesus is the only one that can restore relationship between you and God. Jesus said, no one comes to the father except through me. No other religion, no other power, no other authority, no other a guru, no other god or goddess. There is no one else that can get you to God except the Lord Jesus. It's by his blood, by his life, and by who he is that he brings a person to God. He does it as a gift. He's the only mediator, the one to stand in between, between God and man. That's the man, Christ Jesus. He's the only one. I want to echo that again. He's the only one. Don't add anything to Jesus. Don't go and worship and go to a witch doctor to get help with your problem in following Jesus. You don't go and, and, and consult a medium to get help to follow Jesus. You don't go and, uh, to multiple religions and get help there to follow Jesus. It's only Jesus, God's only begotten son. It's only in him. If you go to multiple sites to try to find help, you'll make both mad. Really quiet. Is everyone all right this morning? You'll make both mad. You'll make that spirit mad that you're looking to Jesus because it wants to destroy your life. And Jesus says he's a jealous God. And he doesn't want to share you with anyone. He's a jealous husband. <laughs> and he doesn't have an open marriage. Lord, help us. Anyway, Jesus restores the relationship vertically. But then what happens is this, he heals the man. Now there's some discussion among the religious saying, who does this guy think he is? Only God forgives sin. Jesus says, well, guess what guys? To show you that I have the authority to forgive sin. He said, what's easier to say, get up and walk or I forgive your sin? That's an interesting question. But then what he does is this, he turns to the man and he says, um, take up your bed and go home, walk. Now, what's interesting is this. Unless the man had been healed, he would never fulfill his purpose. Let that sink in for a moment. See, sometimes we think that it's just vertical. Yes, the relationship is restored. But do you know when God restores someone's body, when he restores their mind, when he restores their soul, they can become fruitful in everything else they do. 
the men, you could say, well, the men, it would have been good enough for the men to be forgiven and lay on his mat and say, I'm, I'm going to heaven. That's, that's awesome. And it is. That's the highest priority. But God is a God of wholeness. He's the one that brings everything into completion. He fulfills all things. And what he does is he heals the man so that he can, he can do something with his life. All the gifts and talents and enablings that are inside every single one. Well, it was designed to be fruitful and to multiply. Not just in the physical, but in everything you do. So that there's an overflow of what's called ministry, service. You give your life out. Out of you shall flow rivers of living That's what God has designed. He didn't design human beings to be self-contained. Oh, Lord, help us. He didn't design you to be self-contained. He designed you to be one like a seed. And when a seed goes into the ground and it dies, we'll get back to that in a second. But then when a seed goes into the ground, not the whole thing doesn't die. What happens? It's the outer husk, isn't it? The outer husk dies. That which contains it dies. And then that which is inside begins to oh, Come on, this is, these are simple biology questions. You're right. You paid attention in class? Well, some of you didn't. All right, so... I'll give you a little biology here. So the seed then, uh, when it begins the, to get watered and it's in the soil, it's good soil. It's not rocky. It's it not lots of weeds in it. That it's good soil. And that little seed then, what's the first thing that begins besides the outer husk dying? What's what happens next? Germination. Wow, very good. Okay, but germinate. But what happens then? What begins to be, be produced out uh, the little seed? Roots? Before you hit fruit, what has to happen first? It has to be, I like to use the word grooted. Uh, grounded and rooted. <laughs> it's grooted. Yeah. I am Groot, right? Okay. And, and so it begins, to, it, be, it begins to grow roots. Because only in the roots will it be stable. Only in the roots then system will it be able to take up all the nutrients that it needs to be able to grow. And now there's a struggle because all that's happening in a dark space. All that's happening is internal. All that's happening there is on the inside. Because what has to happen is that as that thing begins to grow, now the struggle happens where it has to be strong enough internally to be able to push what? Everything else above it out of the way. See, some of you made confessions of faith last week. You had a brilliant week. Hallelujah. Talking to James. He says, I've had an excellent week. Brilliant week. Fantastic. He's buzzing. Some of you may find it struggle. Whether you're buzzing or whether there's the struggle, both of those actually go together, by the way. Because where there's light, there's joy. You can buzz. But there has to be a pushing up. And that isn't easy. And it begins to push up past the dirt. And it has to get up out into the, into the sun, the light. Now, it's, it's still not ready for harvest yet. Because it's, it's growing now. 
and the stem comes and then usually some leaves. And then in the right season, then it begins to flower. And do, do you know something that, <laughs> it's only when the flower comes that fruit becomes possible. It's only when the flower's there that the pollinization that happens, that's only then when, when fruitfulness can happen. I remember a pastor telling me about a rose he had in his back garden. And it was a rose bush of some sort. It was, he said, the thing was just like stubborn, he said. It just wouldn't bear any flowers. And he kept t- tending it, taking care of it. Nothing would produce. And then he said this, he said, then one day it frosted outside and he hadn't, whatever you're supposed to do to flowers. I probably asked June to know what to do with flowers in that way. But, but, but he said the frost came and then immediately it flowered. See, frost can do what to plants? Frost can kill a plant. And he came to the conclusion, he said to me this, he said, that plant was so worried it was going to die, then it bare fruit. The flower came because then it can reproduce. I thought, that's bizarre. But you know something? I've kind of met people like that. That it's only when they hit that extreme situation where all the pressure's on, and then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit in them is like, boop, and they respond in obedience because everything else around them has fallen apart. Does that ever happen to you? You know something, saints, I'm going to say to you, that's not the, that's one way to bear fruit, but it doesn't have to be that way every time. You can choose to be obedient as you go. You don't have to wait until things are in a a desperate state before you respond. But God is so good that he's willing to do both. God is so kind and merciful because his intent is for you to bear fruit. And so that fruitfulness, that flower has to come, that seed has to die, and then it grows up and then it brings forth fruit. And the thing is, is that whatever was planted, at one seed grows and it produces what? Fruit. But what's inside of a fruit? Do you know that man invented seedless fruit? God did not. Man invented it because we don't like putting up with pits. But God did not. Because a fruit of the plant is always designed to reproduce after its kind. I know this is metaphor stuff, but I hope you're hearing me. Because the fruit of your life will bear forth seeds that produce what? More fruit. And usually if you get a good one, I don't know if you guys like oranges. I like oranges. I like cutting them up and then peeling them back and having like a bunch of them at one time. I don't like just eating one. I get this like, there's not enough, right? So, but inside there's these seeds. And if you get a good one, there's multiple seeds. You say, no, that's not good for us, but that's good for the fruit because it is multiple aspects of reproduction, Multiple aspects of what goes, what, 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 what's gone in is going to come out and then produce what? More. Now, I know you know this stuff, so forgive me. But what is fruit for? Reproduction, we got that one. 
How many of you guys like eating a nice piece of fruit? Anyone? My wife keeps trying to give me watermelon. Watermelon makes me lose my voice. So I keep trying to understand why she wants to give me watermelon. Fruit for enjoyment. It refreshes you. Anyone have been in a hot day and had a nice piece of fruit? It's like you're carrying a little water container almost. Nice apple, nice something. I like grapes. I like the, I like the uh, grapes that taste like candy floss. Those are really nice. But they're refreshing. And what's also in them? Chemicals. Well, I don't know what you're eating. Bless you, my dear. Mary, you need to get her some good fruit then. I don't know. I, I think that I think the chemi- you probably mean nutrients. That's probably the word you're looking for. So there's vitamins in there. When I was growing up, they say an apple a day keeps the doctor away. I don't know if that's true, but that's what they told us to eat apples. No one liked going to the doctor because you always had to get jabs. But there's nutrients in there. For those who eat the fruit, they benefit from the nutrients that's in that fruit. Reproduction, it's refreshment, it's nutrients. It's also beauty. When you have a nice tree that has like loads of fruit on there, it just looks good. It looks good. The leaves are pretty. The fruit's nice. You're like, yeah, that's my tree. I planted it. And it's beautiful. May I say to you, when you came to faith, listen, Isaiah 61 says the ministry of the Lord Jesus heals, restores, delivers so that you can become a tree of righteousness, a planting of the Lord that he may be glorified so that the fruitfulness of your life, the fruitfulness of your life would be beautiful. It would reproduce. It would bring refreshment to those around you, not sorrow and harm and hurt, but refreshment and build them up. Encouragement might be another way of saying that. It would bring nutrients. In other words, grace throwing, flowing through your life will build up those around you and 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 this is what your fruit this is what God's designed if that man was left laying on his mat it would have been an extreme hindrance to everything that God had planned for him Can I say to you that when you are restored by Jesus that the goal is that you reproduce Healthy sheep reproduce. Healthy, and I'm not just talking about kids. Some of you guys got that down pat. You're fine. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about spiritual children. I'm talking about the work of grace in your life that by your life, it's a seed going into the ground. And that's part of the issue of of what ministry, you know, I was looking up the word ministry. It's not in the gospels. The word itself isn't in there. It doesn't show up until you hit the book of Acts where it talks about replacing Judas and the ministry. Actually, the first time it's used, it's implied. It's not even in the text. But the word ministry is the same word that we get our word deacon from. It means one who is a servant. One who is a servant. 
See, when you are in Christ, the Bible communicates that it's like we're, we're, we're grafted into a vine where his life flows through us so that we can bear the fruit. We're not just left on our own in the dirt, so to speak. We're grafted into Christ so that all of the resources that he is flows through your life. But do you know something? The fruit isn't for you. The fruit isn't for you. You ever seen a tree out there going, hmm, I'll pick my own fruit and eat it. <laughs> in fact, I was told by someone who used to do like work uh, in orchards that when the fruit falls off the tree and lands, you don't want it to go into the ground and have the tree soak up its own fruit. He says it turns it sour. What a word that was. When someone is so self-consumed, the only person they can think about is? You know what they turn? Sour. See, well, I'm... Well, you'll know them by their... See, in, in, in Philippians, it says that you look out not only for your own interests, but the interests of others. Can you see and understand why when Jesus said, come and follow me, when he spoke that to the apostles, when he spoke that to um, uh, John and he spoke that to James, and he said, I want you to come and follow me. He said to them, he says, I will make you fishers of men. And Jesus said, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow it says, deny himself and daily take up his cross and follow. He says, if you want to follow me, you can't be number one in your own life. All right, so I'm watching Naomi. I'm going to use her as an, an illustration. So Naomi works three days a week, technically, but she's full-time in serving. So the other part, she's not getting what? Paid for by unnatural means. See, you know when Jesus says, when you come and follow, you know money is one of the first things he hits? Do you know why? Because it takes captives. Selfish ambition will destroy you. The world tells you that the most important thing is to make a lot of, to get a position that's, Jesus said, actually seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be what? Okay, see, some of you will, will hear and respond and recognize, Lord, you're the one that pays my paycheck. No matter where I work, you're the one paying my paycheck. I'm going to say it again. Lord, no matter where I work, you're the one paying my paycheck. So when he's paying your paycheck, who's your boss? So if this boss is saying do this and you're like, nope, I have a bigger boss. Now you're not being disrespectful, but you're going to obey God rather than men at that point. Now let's just say is that when you, I know these are simple things, forgive me. I don't know why it's just been, there's been a download all last night for today. When you go to work, you're selling your times and talent, your time and your talents. 
you're hopefully selling them to the highest bidder. When you take a job, you are selling your time and your talents. Do you recognize that? So your education is part of your talent, talent sphere. What you're qualified in, that's part of your talent. Okay, but you're selling that to someone else and you're doing what they're asking you to do. Is that right? Work is good. At the beginning, actually, God gave Adam work before he gave him a wife. I'm just saying. Sometimes there's a tension in the home about work and wives and that whole family thing. I understand that. But God gave, gave, God gave Adam work before he gave him a wife. And so, but work, work is good. In fact, God says that if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. It doesn't mean I can't work. That's different. I won't work. So if you have an able-bodied person and there's some work you can do, you say, well, I struggle with certain things. Well, there's other things you can do. Productivity is part of God's purpose for your life. Productivity is part of God's purpose. He wants you to be fruitful. Guess what? I don't need a full-time paid job to be fruitful. Okay? Ministry flows out of who you are, not what you do. Ministry flows out of who you are. See, when I was in darkness, what kind of fruit will I bear? Bad fruit. Darkness. When you believed Christ and you trusted in the work of what he did on the cross and his resurrection, you gave your life to him. Yeah? You gave yourself to him. To as many as received him, to them he gave power to become children of God. Not based on what you do, but based on trust. By faith, you received him. Faith is taking God at his word. It's not a feeling that I muster up. It's faith is taking God at his word. Lord, you did this for me. You said if I came to you, you would not turn me away. So you humbled yourself and came. Not only did you receive him, but he also received you. He translated you out of the kingdom uh, of darkness, the, the domain of darkness, and translated you into the kingdom of the son of his love. So you became his. The Bible says you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Okay? This is why identity becomes important. <laughs> so, so now I'm light in the Lord. What kind of fruit will I bear? It's good fruit. It's light. You do the deeds of light, no longer of darkness. Jesus said, um, I'm the light of the world, and those who follow me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So what, what kind of fruit will you bear? Good fruit. Good fruit. Everyone's really quiet. Is, is everyone all right this morning? Is this too deep for y'all? I'm, this is, seems to me fairly surface. These are, these are primary principles in the kingdom. And when, 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 when you are changed then, now that means that the fruit that you bear comes out of not what you do, but who you are. How about this? Being a servant of Christ is part of being a son or a daughter. You cannot follow Jesus and not obey him. You cannot follow Jesus and not serve. 
listen, I, I, I come from a framework where there's lots of arguments in, in, in theology <laughs> with people. And they say, well, you have to separate who people are from what they do. I don't see that in scripture. In fact, who I am defines what I do. When Paul says, I am what I am by the grace of God, he was talking about his apostleship. Uh, Forgive me if I'm going beyond where you're at. I apologize. I want to go where John, let's let's just pick up a little passage here in John chapter 4. Where Jesus has met with the woman at the well. She goes off and begins to preach the gospel to those that are in her village. The disciples had gone away to get food and now they come back and they see Jesus and the woman has been with him and now this conversation pursues. Verse 27 of John chapter four. And at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and, and, and said to the men, come and see a man who told me all things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you know, uh, which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already what? White for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life. And both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors." You have this picture now, Jesus begins to explain that in his own life, that he says, I have food that you don't know anything about. He said, my food is to do the work. It's interesting, he doesn't say the will. He says to do the work. Those who have an, an, a, 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 a bad idea towards work, uh, ministry is an affront to you. But those who understand that the process by which God produces fruit in your life is the vehicle of work. In other words, if you're in ministry, you're serving, guess what it is? Is it easy? Are people grateful all the time? Do people like to complain about stuff? There are Karens everywhere, even in the church. And if your name is Karen, I'm not picking on you. It takes work. Do you do work haphazardly? Some of you do. Some of you are extremely undisciplined. Your day, you don't have any clue. You're just like, that's not what God designed for you. Because there's a process. 
See, he calls us to follow and to worship. In fact, do you, do you remember we, we, we touched on it when, when God called the people out of Egypt? When he called them out of Egypt, the goal was that they worship and serve at his mountain. They worship and serve at his mountain. Can I say to you, that's the order. Vertical, relationship. He says, it's my father. I'm here to do the work of my father. So Jesus' satisfaction was fulfilling the work and the purpose for which he came down on the planet. You will not find satisfaction in saying, well, I belong to Jesus, I just don't follow him. That's weird thinking. So when somebody follows Jesus, there's a work for them to do. Can I say this? You were not saved to serve. That's a contradiction. You may not have heard that phrase, but many years ago, it was very popular in, evangel in, the, in the churches, evangelical churches around, that people would say that God saved you to serve. And so it was one way the pastors got everyone to serve. That's bad theology. There was a lady I went to, she was in her 80s, I believe. And she used to walk to church where the church I was in pastoring, it was just up the block, her, her house was there. And even in her 70s, uh, she would shuffle, shuffle to church, literally like this. And she would carry tracks with her. So when she was on her way to church, she would give out tracks. I was um, really impressed, I was. I was just like, that's amazing. That woman just won't quit. Like ever every battery, you know, the rabbit thing. And it won't, she just won't quit. It's amazing. I remember one day I went to visit her. Her legs had given out pretty much. She was in a rocking chair back and forth. And she said, Pastor, I was taught that I was saved to serve. She goes, now, I can't serve anymore. Guess what her next question was? Bad theology. See, if she was serving to get saved, dangerous. You don't serve to get in. You, you get in by a gift. If it's work, then you get the wages, and the work that we get, the wages that we get is sin, and that's what? Death. You don't get in by serving God. You don't get in by going and, and doing things for God. That, that's a foreign concept. Unfortunately, there are many in church and many pastors who want to get people busy, so they emphasize the wrong aspect of the gospel. See, I believe that the gospel is like a root system that will produce good fruit in the lives of God's people because a good son serves. A good daughter serves. Moms, when you have the kids in the house and the dishes need to get done and you say to one son, will you help out? And he says, no. And he asks the other son, yes. Which one's the better son? Oh, I'm not talking value. You love them both. But a good son does what? Serves. And parents, yes, you should expect your children to be involved in the chores of the house. You should expect your children to be, you should train them up in the way that they should go so that when they get older, they won't depart from it. I know that hits stuff, I know. Especially that youngest child 
that you think, oh, he's my baby. Listen, that baby's got to grow up, otherwise he'll stay a baby. Sorry for hitting that hard, but anyway. This is the process. But a good son, what? Serves. Jesus is a good son. He's a son of the Father. He manifests the will, the purpose, the power of Almighty God. God was in Christ, and he was revealing the Father's will, his heart, the way he is. Can I say this to you? God wants to do the same thing in your life. He wants to work the same thing because Christ in us is the hope of glory. You're being conformed, Romans chapter 8. You're being conformed into the image of Christ so that Christ would be formed in you and you would bear the fruit of Christ. So a good son serves. How about this? A servant or a slave has no permanent place in the father's house. Bring this up. John chapter 8, verse 35. John chapter 8, verse 35. And a slave does not abide, what? In the house forever. But a son, what? Serving God, yes. You want to serve? Great. I want to be a son that serves, not a servant who who perishes. You want to be in the father's house, it starts with sonship. And then service comes, but a good son serves. Can I say this, ladies? I'm not leaving you out. Sonship was always the picture in the New Testament of like a firstborn. There was a, a picture given of a son who had the inheritance. Where in some cultures, unfortunately, the ladies didn't. I know it's changed in our culture in that way and even some other things, but, but this is what happened. So often the word for sonship was referred to a child of God, someone who belonged to the father, having been born again into the family. They're part of the household of God. So this isn't a gender issue. So when you came to faith, you didn't change genders, but you became a child of God. You entered into sonship, all that that contains. You're a daughter of God. You belong to the family. When Nathaniel, I've used this before, when Nathaniel was young, he used to sit on my lap and we used to compare thumbs. Little Tyke, and he'd sit on my lap and he'd grab my hand and he'd look at my thumb and he'd look at his and say, Dad, look, we have the same thumb. Why do we have the same thumb? I'm his father. He's my son, and he has what flowing through him? My genetics. He can't help it. Poor kid. I feel sorry for him, you know? Right? But what happens is this. Jesus said, let your deeds, let your fruit, let your work be done. Don't hide it in a bushel, but let it be done for all to see that they may glorify your Father in heaven. Why? Because when you've been born of God, his spiritual DNA flows through your life. You're being conformed to the image of his son. This is what happens. So a good son, a good daughter, what? Serves. Can I say to you this? Every single one of you, if you belong to Jesus, have a ministry. Every single one of you has talents 
and a call on your life for something God wants you to fulfill and he doesn't duplicate himself. God does not say, well, um, I got a backup plan. Does that mean that if one's disobedient that the plan won't get done? I will say this, that God ultimately will bring his things to pass, but will they happen in the same way? I'd struggle to say that. God's purpose was for Israel when they left Egypt was to go right into the what? Into the land. Did they go? Two. Two. Out of hundreds of thousands. Two. Joshua and Caleb. Two. Went in. Two. Two. Most of us would say, well, I'm going to be one of the two. I hope so. But what happens is, is that um, they, 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 the rest, they perished in the wilderness. So was God's plan fulfilled? Yes. With Joshua, Caleb, and the rest that were, had grown up then. But what about them? They saw the miracles. They saw the wonders. They rode through the Red Sea. Yeah, they were baptized into Moses, right? They went through the Red Sea. They ate in the wilderness. They had miracle bread every morning. The manna that fell that was there every morning, they got to go out and pick up miracle bread. That's amazing. Miracles all the time, everywhere. They pick up miracle bread. They eat it. And if they gather too much, it would just go off. So just collect enough for the day, except for the Sabbath day when you need to collect two bunches. Collect everything you need. It was always enough. God's provision, miracle bread every day. And then in the middle of the camp, they had this big fiery pillar in the nighttime, which lit up the whole space. The best nightlight you can get. And then a pillar of cloud in the day. Whenever that cloud moved, guess what? They'd pack up and go. A day, a month, a year makes no difference. Two days, a month. I think is what the text said, and they'd get up and they'd move. You know, every one of those was Christ. The bread was Christ. In fact, the water that came out of the rock was Christ. The pillar was Christ. How close were they to salvation? That close. But with most of them, God was pleased. And they perished in the wilderness because they wouldn't believe, hear me, they wouldn't believe and enter into the work that God had given them to do. In a lot of songs, old hymns, they talk about crossing over Jordan, crossing over Jordan, crossing over Jordan, and they compare crossing over Jordan as going to heaven. Can I say to you, that's a false idea. Because when you get into the land, it's time for war, not rest. It's time for work, not rest. So when you guys came and you came to Christ, you were wandering out here. Christ was saying, follow me. And you came and you put your trust in him and you crossed over, you entered into life. Now it's what? Time for war and time for work. Is this making sense? 
listen, they say, well, I'm young in Jesus. It makes no difference. That woman at the well that Jesus just got speaking to, he meets with her at the well. He said, I must needs go. I like the old translation. He says, I must do it. And he met there and he met the woman, revealed her life. And she, she said, well, when the Christ comes, I'll, he'll tell us everything. And he says, I am him. And he's very clear about who he is. And I'm the Christ. And she goes, <gasps> and then she runs off. Now, how old is she in the Lord? I haven't even had time to get baptized yet, by the way. And what does she do? She runs back in. And if you read the rest of that text, it said the whole village came out to him. They said, well, we believed what you said, but now we've come out and heard him for ourselves. And now we believe he's the Christ, the son of God. And the village is touched. She didn't have any theological training. She didn't go to Graffay Bible School. Please do, but she didn't. Did she understand everything? No, but she knew him. Because you know him, there's a work and a war that you enter into. Every single one of you has a ministry. Now, can I say this? You're either fulfilling it well or not. God has given you gifts. He's given you talents. The difference between a gift and a talent. Last week, we were looking at the prophetic area of things. We were looking at prophecy. That's a spiritual gift. That's the work of the spirit. But you have spiritual gifts that come by way of the spirit, but you also have natural talents. Anyone can sow in here? Can somebody sow? Great. No, I mean, you're good at it. Nat raised his hand. I don't know if he's good at it, right? Is he good at it? Well, great. I got some socks, Nat. Um... (laughs) How many of you guys can um, fix stuff? Great. How many of you guys can do computer stuff? Well, we got some amazing people here. How many of you good at social media stuff? How many of you guys are good at like office work and that kind of thing? Admin. This is great. We have a whole bunch of people. Where's Pastor Claire? We got a whole bunch of people here. Now, let me say this. Is that I I can draw. Anyone can draw? Delorem, I'm looking for your hand because I know you can. Now, I, I can draw, but this is a natural talent. This isn't the spiritual gift. Some of you might be confused. See, you have natural abilities that everybody, even unbelievers have. That's not a spiritual gift. That is a gift that you've learned to do. Some of it's in your DNA. I, some of that, I don't really know how all that works. I'll be honest. My mom's an artist and, and okay. It, it seems to flow. But I, I gave it to Jesus many, many years ago. I said, Lord, here is my natural ability that you've given to me. Something I've learned, something I've practiced, something I can do. Jesus, I give it to you as worship. Something shifted when I did that because I took my natural talent that I could do. Now, before I was a Christian, I drew all sorts of things that I would never want to show you. I could draw all sorts of things. Some things very evil, very bad. Some things very, and I'm not going to go into any more detail. But when I came to faith, I literally took most of that artwork and I burned it. Because it's not part of my life anymore. That was when I was in 
darkness. Now I'm in light and through the natural talent that God has given to whatever degree, and all of us have different various levels of those things, the light gets to shine. And that's what this has become. So that the calling that's on my life, so that the gifting spiritually that God has given me to communicate truth, the gifting of the spirit of God in the prophetic, I'll have to say this, is that, that, does that look confusing? Did you know what that was when you first came in? Ah, good. I was glad. I was hoping that that would be the case. But I can say to you, I saw it before I painted it up. I didn't realize many years ago that that was a prophetic element of what I was doing. That's why the Holy Spirit moves so wonderfully with the kids and with some of y'all, I think. But that's giving over your natural talent to him. You become a living sacrifice. you become a living sacrifice. That's every single follower of Jesus. That's not just for the pastors or the teachers or the apostles. That's every single part of the body of Christ. Because the body is to obey what? The head. I'm not the head. He's the head. Jesus is the head. Every part intricately connected to him, belonging and relationship, and then does the work of him who is above. There's work involved. So give him your natural talents. Does that mean everyone has to become a preacher? Um, Does that mean everyone has to stand up and become a full-time pastor? Let me put it that way. Uh, No. When I was first a believer... I was taught that if you're really going to give yourself to Jesus, you have to go into full-time ministry. You know what I've learned? The way they were presenting it was a lie. So how many of you have jobs? How many of you need jobs? We can pray for that later. Very good. We'll pray. Lord, open that door in Jesus' name. But you have jobs. Do you realize that when you go into your job, whatever it may be, you got any nurses here? Nursing? No, care, oh, your nurse, fantastic. Carers, carers, doctors. I know we have some in the evening service that are doctors. There's one that's a, a consultant, I think. How many of you do, like, uh, how many of you in school still? Okay, you're in school, fantastic. How many of you um, work with your hands, so like hard labor stuff? I'm waiting for you to figure out which one you're involved with. How many of you are a business owner? Do you realize that when you go into the work that you do, you go in as salt and light. You go into that situation and you carry a ministry. Now, is that full-time? Yes. Yes. You carry because it's who you are. So when you go into it, how about this? I know this sounds so trite. Just be you. You filled with Christ. You filled with Christ. Go into that situation and let your light shine. And as you do, and that, does he, do I have to open my mouth? Well, yeah. <laughs> Say, well, maybe they'll just tell I'm a Christian by all the good stuff I do. You're not that good. <laughs> Jesus did it. And not even his own family recognized that who he was. Yeah. His own family didn't believe. 
How good, how, good do you, how good was he? He was without sin. Tempted in all ways, but without sin. So you also have to open your mouth. So he's given you a ministry. Satisfaction, Jesus said, I have food that you don't know anything about. My food is to do the work of, of, of him who sent me, the father who sent me, and to finish the work he's given me to do. So when you're functioning in that ministry that he's given you in your context and you're shining. So that means, oh, let's see, I'm trying to, I'm looking at Elvis for a second. So he's out collecting scrap and he's getting the stuff and, and there's somebody there who he sees there's a need there and he's got like some, I don't know, uh, something recyclable that you can collect from them and, and, and they're in need and he sees it. Now he has the option to do something. So maybe they're limping. Well, Elvis already knows Jesus heals. So what can he do? Uh, sorry, uh, you mind if I, I'm a follower of Jesus. Can I just pray for you to see you're in need? And then he prays. And then when Jesus does something, what happens? The door opens to share. Well, this is the Jesus I follow. He's risen from the dead. He can save you. He wants to heal your whole life. Maybe someone's in need and you've got a couple of quid in your pocket. I know we don't carry much cash nowadays. But there's a need and you can share it physically. But do it and then mention the name of Jesus when you do it. Because ultimately they could be rich and still go to hell. Yeah, you can be healed and still go to hell. You need Jesus only for the healing. And he, again, wealth is a terrible master. And then you open your name, open, open up your mouth and speak the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus. So every one of you has it. Say, pastor, you're putting pressure on me. No, I'm not. I'm just telling you the truth. You say, well, I don't feel like I can do it. Well, welcome to the club. Paul, Paul, the apostle said, who's sufficient for these things? Who's sufficient as a minister of the new covenant? Who can do this? Only Christ in me, only the work of the spirit filling me up, enabling me to do it. He, and so that's why relationship is the core and out of it, that rootfulness in Christ, that grootedness in Christ, that part, everything else flows out of that. And so that's where your intimacy with him becomes paramount. That's why relationship with him is at the core. That's why Jesus himself is the foundation. Everything else is built on him. The work of his spirit in you. So that the fruitfulness that you bear is of Christ and not of you. So if you feel like I'm struggling, I don't know how to do it. Ask him. Pastor, you don't understand. You're just a pastor. Okay. Edson, you remember when we were sharing Christ at work? Edson and I used to work together security over at Tesco's in St. Melons. That was rough over there. The worst part about it was, I, 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 the only part about the job that I hated was the threat of violence all the time. I, I hated that. It's constant. Billy clubs, knives, people want to fight you. Remember before I started there, I remember hearing a, a young person took a, a cue ball and put it in a sheet and went after the, the, the security guard in Tesco's. And I was like, when the Lord put me there, I cried. 
I did. I went home and I wept. And the Lord spoke to me and he says, I still have many people in this city that you need to speak to. And he reminded me of something I'd said in the pulpit preaching somewhere else. And I said, if I wasn't here, I'd be in, I'd be in St. Melons. That's what I said. And the Lord reminded me, you said it. I'm like, oh. We used to prayer walk the, prayer walk the, 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 the store. Prayer walk the store. You're in the office. Prayer walk. There were moments the Holy Spirit said, pay for what she's going to steal. How do I do this, Lord? We had to get creative. I remember one lady, she was scanning things. And you know when it is in Tesco's when you don't really scan what you're supposed to pay for. And he tried to get it in and up there. And that little buzzer thing goes off or whatever it is. Well, some lady was doing that. I'm on CCTV watching her do it. And the Holy Spirit says, go and help her. She doesn't have the money to pay for it. Lord, how do I do this? Going up to them and saying, Jesus just told me that. I don't know if that's going to go down well. So I remember one of the first times I took the fiber out of my pocket and I walked by and I dropped it right by her. I stopped, I turned around, I looked and I said, oh, look, I think you did something. And she said, oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> Probably not the response you wanted. I remember when there was a couple, they had stole a lot of stuff for a baby. And they, they were in the room and the Lord said, go and buy everything. Told me and that said to go and do it. The management says, you can't do that. And I said, you can't tell me to do or what I can and cannot do with my own money. See, I work for someone else. Okay. I'll support you, but that's my work. Do you understand? Do you understand the way this, it's a thought process. Because that's the highest calling I have here is to follow Jesus. And so as we grew in obedience and as we were doing it, we started watching people get healed at work. I'm a security guard. I got a security guard outfit. I'm the one that says that the parents come in and say, if you don't obey, he's going to get you. What a thing to say. I'm not the bad guy. You are. (laughs) I'm watching you. I'm protecting everything. I mean, come on now. And the thing is, is that, 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 that you, you, you're there and I had people come up and say, oh, Pastor Wade, can you pray for me? You share the gospel with people and, and it, and there was a peace that came over the whole store that when we were working, the, the testimony of staff, they said, we felt safe. How safe is anybody? I don't know. But peace comes from him. It was the highest calling we had. I have to say some days I miss that. I learned I could be careful what I say. (laughs) But see, the highest calling you have is following. He has a work for you. Whatever it looks like in your context, that you'll bear forth fruit, that your fruit will reproduce. It will refresh. The beauty of Christ will be seen in your life. And it'll nourish those around you. This is the life of a believer. This isn't just for those that are in ministry, as it were, like full-time Christian work. I'm going to go back to the beginning. 
Money has a way of deceiving you. The world says that the highest calling you have is to make the money be in the position and get as much as you can. Can I say to you, you will die and leave all that behind. All of it. All of it. What if you were to adjust the way you think? So I make enough to supply for me and my family, and I use the rest of my time for the kingdom. What do you think might happen? Now, some of you are really good at making money. It's easy for you. It's just, it's just some people are just so business-minded. It's just brilliant. Well, you can help support others that what? So that they can be released to do. See, I'm trying to help you to think bigger than just you. In your own mind, your own life. Not just thinking about your own needs, but also the needs of others. Do you realize that Christianity from the beginning was a missions-oriented movement? Jesus is on a mission. And he came, and in his obedience, he fulfilled it. And who paid him? Jesus started to eat, didn't he? Who paid him? Some of you may not realize that some of the ladies that were following... They worked with their own hands and out of what they made, they helped to support the team so they traveled. It's in the scriptures. But see, he says that my work that I've come to do, the satisfaction, the fullness, that, that joy, that contentment, that contentment that so many seek, even those that name the name of Jesus still discontent. But the contentment is doing the work that he has given you to do. Often when I'm preaching, I'm not hungry. If I kept preaching, I was thinking, what if I just preach for a whole week straight? I wonder if I could do it. Seriously, I was thinking about that last night. I was, anyway. But I find I don't, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not hungry. I find a real satisfaction of fulfilling what he's called me to do. Some of you are disillusioned with your life. Some of you, even as a follower of Jesus, are saying, what am I doing with my life? Can I say to you, look to him first and say, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. He can put you here, there, anywhere. But Lord, you're going to take the priority. Hmm. It's time to grow up. Children, they do children's stuff. But men and women of God, they walk differently. Do I have any men and women of God in the room? You who said, I hope so. Well, which one are you? Are you looking at everyone else or you? Well, do I have any men and women of God in the room that are willing to say, Lord, whatever you want, I'm, I'm, I'm in it with you. I want your kingdom to be the priority in my life. I want to bear forth the fruit of Christ. Be glorified in my life. Let's stand together, please.